Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome to the SmackDown preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, here to look ahead to tonight's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, they're joined by Michael Hamlet to look ahead to tonight's episode of SmackDown. I haven't had a chance to chat to you about what went down last week. Your thoughts very quickly, Michael Hamlet, on WWE's experiment with Rolling Loud. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you say experiment, that implies that you do a bit of preparation, a bit of research, you lay out all your components and you aim. You go through your aims and your objectives. That's how an experiment is conducted. Apparently not with WWE. Um, massively blew an opportunity. And by the way, it looked awesome. Um, for longer form thoughts, you can catch um, our SmackDown review from Monday, like wherever you've got this podcast. But in short, a stunning visual, an amazing visual, one of millions that we've had lately in the wake of wrestling defeating the pandemic, 2-1 um, in an Ironman match. <laughs> uh, like it's just something still to see thousands upon thousands of people in a, in this case, a festival environment. Um, imagine if you will, a hard camera set up at the back of the Glastonbury pyramid mm. stage and just constantly having that to look at. Glorious, absolutely glorious. Um, but the performers weren't kind of prepped for this audience, particularly while got them revved up at first, but that was about it. There was mm. none of that, um, you know, a heel coming out just to wind the crowd up, just to do generic stuff. Baron Corbin goes out there and criticizes the, the genre of music. And then a babyface comes out and beats him up and everybody cheers. Yeah. And like, oh, we just had two very, very mid-card matches. The type of matches. Chad Gable looked great in one of them. Bianca Belair looked great in another. But that really doesn't matter. They're the type of matches that on a longer, normal WWE show, fans would have been sitting on their hands for. Mm. So what do you expect? Thousands of festival goers that haven't really expected a wrestling ring to be erected on a stage <laughs> for an hour of their time while waiting for another band to come on. How do you expect them to react? You had Thunderdome dot wavs as you looked on at mm. tens of thousands of people. It was pretty depressing. The rest of the show was fine. Um, the, there was some genuinely brilliant developments that we're going to get to 
um, with the main event program, like a nice twist on perhaps what we were expecting. Mm. Um, but I'm not Wellborn, as soon as this is a preview, if you'll allow me to divert for just a second, I'm not ready for a good time. And I'll tell you why that is. Um, I enjoy in my leisure time when I've not got my telly tuned to some wrestling because there's just someone all the time watching the BBC Four's lovingly restored repeats of Top of the Pops. Mm. Two episodes go in my um, planner, my DVR for those abroad. Um, and every Friday they go in and sometimes I get a bit of a backlog and I just love bouldering through them. It's joyous. Sends me down Wikipedia wormholes looking to see if old artists that man had one hit in 1991 have still managed to forge a career out of wrestling because it gives hopes to the podcasters of 2021 <laughs> that we'll still be doing this when we're old and grey and in retirement homes. Go on Setlist FM to find out that that one song I just watched is still what they close with in 2020. Um, all sorts of lovely stuff. And this week's chart breakers from May 1991 included a fresh new hit from ACDC. And can you guess what that song was? Oh, God. 30 years ago. When I, me, the literal oldest man at what culture, was five, maybe just turned six. Can you guess what had just broken into the top 10? Oh, my By ACDC. I will give you one guess. Yeah. <laughs> More evidence of WWE just living so far in the sod. In <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> week, the, the, the I, like, I bought it up right for a second. So I was like, wait, I want to watch Top of the Pops. Oh, this? It's, not a, it's not a Saturday morning. Jesus Christ. Remember that brief period where they started referencing loads of like 90s films? Like 94 was like the limit. They were like, Dumber Dumbers, the, the most yeah. recent cultural reference we'll make. Hey, 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 have you heard about a new Fox deal? No, what are you, the cable guy? Huh? <laughs> oh. oh, dear. Um, but yeah, like you say, let's dive into this because, well, I've got an apology to make later on and uh, I am actually looking forward to doing that. So we'll talk about that in, in due course. But let's talk uh, about Roman Reigns, John Cena and the Universal Championship and in particular Finn Balor because it seemed like such a logical a to B to C bit of booking. And WWE haven't done that. But for once, that is genuinely to their credit. Cena opened SmackDown last week and obviously said, I want to beat that asshole Roman Reigns and take his title at SummerSlam. Expected an answer. No response from Roman Reigns, which wasn't greatly surprising. He was going to save that for the main event because that's the way they book SmackDown. He came out. He talked about doing it in missionary position, which I'll admit popped me slightly. <laughs> And then he refused John Cena. And you thought, okay, well, John Cena is going to have to, you know, do something or bait him into it or whatever. But not only did he refuse, we got someone else in Cena's place in, in Finn Balor, to which Roman Reigns accepted an exciting development, as you said. Brilliant. Really, really good. Um, we, I mean, I think we called this that Roman Reigns was saying no. Mm -hmm. I really like that the... Um, the one I really liked, and this won't shock anybody that listens to us regularly, that it wasn't just official as soon as John Cena. Like, I'm glad he didn't just get to talk it into existence by returning as a surprise, kind of like Edge did, Money in the Bank. He speared him on a Friday. There was a graphic on a Saturday, and it's like, that's very efficient from Edge. Fair play. Like, he's, he's played this game before. But John Cena hasn't been so fortunate. And what was so cool about that was um, Roman Reigns, I guess, has a right to say no. He's obviously been to the board of the directors and said um, Cena's not even in the top five rankings where we document every win and loss. So I don't see why he deserves a title shot. Mm -hmm. um, in the meantime, Finn Balor wins comprehensively on SmackDown again. 
I think we said there's a good chance Finn Balor and Sami Zayn could happen at SummerSlam. I think that's still true, even mm-hmm. though he's beaten him clean in this first match back. Um, but yeah, Finn Balor beats Sami Zayn. So the idea is not only is he back, but he's back with momentum and he's looking for a championship opportunity. And uh, he goes to get one. And when he asks the fans, after all these months and people wondering how will Roman's whispered deliberate delivery go in front of audiences, the fans have been watching and caring because Mm. they were chanting Roman scared. And how often have we talked about all of this being about obscuring Roman's cowardice? All of it. Mm. The front, the bluster. He's actually quite scared of these challenges. And then when he absolutely has to, he'll take off his top, he'll put on his glove, his glove, and he will club shit out of you. But he'd rather not. <laughs> rather not get his hands dirty. Just sometimes he has to. One Sunday, about every four weeks. Fine, right. You've asked for this. I didn't really want to do that. I couldn't be asked. I'm like it was, and then Roman scared chance. So he is, he is like Thanos, isn't he? He is oh fine, I'll do it myself. Pops the glove yeah. on. Like this perhaps tells us that he is a bit intimidated by the challenge of John Cena. But how now can Roman Reigns mask that he's intimidated by John Cena? He can bite on the challenge of Finn Balor. That's what he can do. And he was obviously needled by the crowd. Finn Balor and Roman Reigns have this very unique relationship that is tied to the Universal title. Because Finn Balor was the first champion. Finn Balor beat Roman Reigns en route to getting that title. And And the only time... Didn't he immediately say... I know it was a bit of a weird time back then. I'm 99% certain, because I remember that sort of seeing into my brain of like, I was like, oh, it's Finn Balor. Valiant loss against Roman Reigns and Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. And then he beat him. And I was like, wait, what? And then my brain went, you need to remember this. And I'll fa- I'm fairly certain in the midst of Finn Balor standing tall, it always had to be about Roman Reigns. And he said, we'll run this back. I mean, that is in what deliberately or accidentally, this is a hell bit of hell of a, a bit of LTST from WWE. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I believe, in fact, the years that we were campaigning for WWE to remember that Finn Balor gave up the title and for just him to ask for a title shot. Remember he returned after that injury and then he just didn't get a title shot for years. And of all the challengers to finally say, you know who who was owed a shot? It's Finn Balor. It was Roman Reigns. I'm pretty sure it was Roman Reigns when he was still a baby face too. So I think there's that that LTST is sprinkled everywhere. That law-term storytelling is everywhere in the history of Finn Balor and Roman Reigns. And yeah, lean on it if you want, but even if you don't, um, it makes for some intrigue. It genuinely, like a nice surprise because this is obviously a fork in the road to Cena and Reigns at SummerSlam. They will have a battle on their hands to make it feel like Balor can actually beat Roman. But what does John Cena think of Finn Balor? Mm. And what does Finn Balor, does he feel like he has to justify himself to John Cena? Probably not. You know, he can just say, well, I've, I've just been working all this time. Don't just get to do this, John. Maybe there's a little singles match between the two of them. Maybe it's one of John Cena's few televised singles matches or a little bit of hostility or tension exists between them. Typically, when WWE throws an unexpected ingredient in the mix, that ingredient gets us over as the original two. So you kind of have a bit of a Daniel Bryan, Edge and Roman Reigns situation with Finn here, where depending on how well this goes, what if he snakes his way into the SummerSlam main event with the two of them? It's Mm. just there are questions that you actually want the answer to rather than those WWE.com questions where it's like, what's going to happen after last week's match ended in a roll-up? Will there be a roll-up for the other wrestler? Like <laughs> this, I want the answers and I hope SmackDown provides them. Yeah, it, I'm very much on the admin side of things going, God, you do know it's like three weeks until SummerSlam. We can't ask about like, we, 
I get, you know, I don't want them to hot shot a title match between Balor and, and Reigns, for example, and go, well, there you go. There's that title match. And now we get to Zena. But in a weird way, I also sort of do. And I, like you say, I'm intrigued not only with the back and forth between Balor and Reigns, but yeah, how Cena reinserts himself into all this because, you know, he's wanting to be back and he's talking about Roman Reigns being the, and this arsehole. But if he comes back and goes, yeah, out of the way, Finn, thanks for uh, holding NXT down and stuff like that. But I'll take it from here sort of thing. It's back to the Cena that people really didn't like many, many years ago. They have to they have to balance that. And I I think I will say this. I think they've mapped this out really well. There's no way that this Finn Balor idea was a last minute one. If you look at Finn Balor's the, the show that Finn Balor came back on and then that they had him wrap things up with Sami Zayn straight away to present that as just a television diversion for Finn. Um, they'll have mapped out every John Cena appearance quite carefully. And if you're going to involve other people, odds are they were probably aware of it too. I don't think this is a just a Vince McMahon 10 minutes before air deal. They've probably got a roadmap from Money in the Bank to SummerSlam and Finn Balor was always a part of that. Or if not Finn, somebody else and they've made the call on it being, you know what I mean? Like I, This feels like you are watching them actually trying to work at still being a wrestling promotion. Imagine that. It's surreal, isn't it? Because as far as the time of recording, at the very least, although inevitably they're probably going to announce 20 sodding matches whilst we're recording this, um, nothing's advertised for tonight's show aside from, you know, Roman and Balor and Scenery, etc. But it's I'm really looking forward to tonight's show because I don't know what's going to happen. It's a rare feeling to have that going into a SmackDown. Yeah, we are critical of those shows, this one, I guess, included, where... There's no sense of this being a sports show. You don't get a card the likes of which we had for Fight for the Fallen, where you're like, wow, they have absolutely stacked and jacked this two-hour wrestling show. SmackDown has the same amount of time and yet is the, in the polar opposite position. It's filled it with nothing. But wrestling is very fortunate in the fact that it only needs to throw out two or three hooks and it, they kind of carry the rest of the broadcast. If they um, have, and I guess we're going to ask and answer, try and answer these questions on this preview, if they've got, in the case of the Finn Balor, Rowan Reigns stuff, one hook that's already out there from last week's, and if they've got a couple more in the form of a couple of major SummerSlam matches need setting up, that will probably carry the rest of the show. So you'll be watching a match thinking, mm, and after this, we're going to get a development. And after, you know, and after that development, we're going to move on to something else, which is going to lead to another development and so on. You can sort of get away with these once every now and then. And I think this is an example of that tonight. And the beauty of this is the fact that normally three, four weeks out from SummerSlam, we'd often sit here back in the day and say, they're just going to spin their wheels. Like if if Roman Reigns had said, fine, I'll, I'll batter you at SummerSlam sort of thing, this week would be another tete-a-tete promo off with maybe a slight bit of physical interaction, probably with like Cena and the Usos or something like that. I know they've been doing, I think it's uh, Cena and the Mysterios versus possibly Reigns and the Usos. Uh, I think I read that somewhere anyway. And yet, now you're like, well, there's so much to try and get through to, to establish because what's happening? Because Roman's accepted Finn, but it's it's Cena, so he must have some sway. And like, yeah, Cena has has been in this position before of going, I want to fight this guy at this big show, and the other person just negging him and just no selling it. So, what does he do? It's really intriguing. Yeah, genuinely, this is the thing. Like, they're all every question you're asking isn't hypothetical 
Mm. You are being given just enough stuff by WWE to ask questions that they kind of have to answer in order to assemble a SummerSlam card. You know, this is not just what's going to happen. And then they just say, off, nothing. We changed our minds. (laughs) It's not that. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Well, sort of continuing down that road, um, I'm fairly certain definitively now Bianca Belair has defeated Carmella. She was, like you say, one of the few highlights from WWE at Rolling Loud. Just just great. And just having her walk down and at the end of that stage and celebrate, mm-hmm. I just thought it was, a, like you say, a great visual, regardless of the... Uh, better image better image than a video. Exactly. Yeah, the mixed yeah. reception that the WWE in general, not Bianca Belair, WWE in general got a Rolling Loud. But now, again, it's just a big question mark for tonight's show of... What's next for Bianca Belair? We are, like I say, just over three weeks away from SummerSlam. And I think I saw people tweet about this already. And and it's not like you're going, well, it's obviously going to be this. There's people Mm -hmm. saying, will it be Tony Storm, who's immediately come in and got herself established and obviously defeated Selena Vega last week? Is it something great like her versus Naomi, even though Naomi hasn't really got any momentum right now? Is it something shocking, like a Liv Morgan being inserted into it? Or is it, could it be that we get Sasha Banks back and we get Banks Belair too at SummerSlam, which is, as much as I love something like Naomi versus Belair, because I feel they both really merit a, a match like that on the grand stage of SummerSlam. I want, I want Banks Belair too. I want some more, please, Daddy. 
Yeah, everybody does, and they know that. I'm going to make myself a bit of a hypocrite here because this requires Sasha Banks to stand up on SmackDown and, like, Michael Cole or Pat McAfee to scream, it's official! Yep. When, when she points at the title. Um, yeah, I'll say this for WWE. This is maybe damning the faint praise, but they either played a blinder or got very lucky not getting fooled by the enormity of the rolling loud crowd to bring Sasha Banks out there last week because that whole thing would have played to silence. I think we talked about this in the preview. I said, if anything, reward your ticket paying public and they'll give you the noise in response. Um, there was a risk to the rolling loud return. I think a few people had speculated on. I think tonight's the night. I think last week was, a, and as you say, a kind of an opportunity to put Bianca Belair in front of that audience, of which will always look nice on muted network packages and on photos. And it'll make it look like this big star and it'll become one of the things that defines her run as champion. You know, a bit like the really good Hell in a Cell match instead of the really bad paper match her and Bailey had before. They're <laughs> going to cherry pick the stuff that really worked out of this feud and never speak of Bailey putting 300 of her faces on the Thunderdome ever again. They get the, they're awarded that creative license with how, with how Bianca Belair's reign has been since WrestleMania. But now is the time. Um, this match will always be, I think, very, very fondly remembered, like from not just being a WrestleMania main event and all the history that came with that specific main event, but with it being the first headliner in front of a crowd that we'd had in, what was it, one year, one month, one day? They were a big fan of that, weren't they? And like the fact that it lived up to its billing and then some, the fact that, um, that it wasn't the glass breaking for Steve Austin's entrance, it was Sasha Banks' skin ripping from the hair on Bianca Belair's head. Like there are so many takeaways from that that it really does sell the rematch by itself. Three weeks left. Here I am about to say some famous last words. Isn't enough time to make as big a mess with the build as they did the last time. <laughs> um, because that match at WrestleMania was so good, it's erased that horrendous build. Um, yeah, I want Sasha Banks to come out and I want them to Triple H and Undertaker it. Silence. Crowd goes wild. Sasha looks at the belt. Bianca looks at the belt. Sasha does the hand pose I'm doing on camera that you can't see, but you know mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. Bianca does that slapping her own arse pose. Michael Cole screams it's official. Pat McAfee is jumping on the commentary table with excitement. Fans go wild. And then for two weeks, because Sasha's been off since WrestleMania, like they'll, they'll say getting into the best condition of her life, you get two weeks of vignettes where you show Sasha's gains in the gym and you saw Bianca Belair's incredible feats of athleticism in another gym. Bang, SummerSlam. Really, really easy, really straightforward. And the right thing to do for, quite potentially, the biggest SummerSlam in WWE's history, arguably, in terms mm -hmm. of what they're, they're lining up across the board as a marquee return, let's say, uh, yeah. to the big four pay-per-views. Speaking of which... We're, we're still insisting it's going to happen. Maybe it's going to happen at SummerSlam. The Mysterios, they keep getting beaten by the Usos, but it's always via shenanigans. How do they overcome something like that? Is it going to have to be a bit of dark arts from, from Ray and Dominic, or is it just persevering for those guys? I mean, by the looks of that horrendous finish to the match on Friday, it's going to have to be really dark arts if Dominic wants to just be able to hold on to a wrestler, let alone actually try and win the belts back. <laughs> like, they, I felt quite guilty on his, like, on for him on behalf of the wrestling media for the grief that that calamitous ending got 
Dominic Mysterio specifically on Friday. The, the, like they were they weren't just on different pages. They were in different books that were in different libraries that were in different countries. Um, but Dominic has wrestled like probably less than fifty matches ever, and that was his second or third in front of a live crowd. He's been thrown in at the deep end. He looked amazing in a novelty setting with a general like Seth Rollins. And then what happened was, rather than keeping him as this pretty cool novelty that can do just enough, they were like, oh, you're a mid-carder, well done. You are <laughs> expected to be at a certain level every week. And that's how people's expectations adjust accordingly. And he looked massively out of his depth. Twice, they have done a finish that doesn't even look good in terms of the use of those cheating, that like feet on the arse momentum. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look convincing but you've got to you've got to go along with it for a story which is that oh if only the Usos didn't have a two-on-one advantage the Mysterios would get this done um you probably go to SummerSlam with this don't you they yeah. had their last match on the kickoff so the idea will be is that the Mysterios will look lovingly at one another and say yes we lost the belts but the only way they're beating us is through cheating is through you know like using a, a, a numbers game but now on SummerSlam on the main stage in front of 40,000, 50,000 people, we're going to show them what happens when it's 2 on 2 when it's fair, when all things are even and all things are equal. And then, well, Dominic's going to get isolated and they're going to lose again. And then Dominic's going to turn his dad by electric chair and him on the ramp afterwards. Yep, yep, and you're yep. saying, I, know, I can hear you, listeners, why is he putting his dad on his shoulders if they're not even celebrating a win? Well, it's because the Usos injured his knee and that's how they carry him to the back. <laughs> There's no referees to hand. So he said, he tries to walk him and say, Dominic, I can't, I can't, Dominic, I can't. He's like, you ain't heavy, you're my father. And he puts him on his shoulders and he carries, and everybody's just like clapping and crying. You deserve bang! <laughs> bang! Honestly, it's gonna be the biggest part of the year if this actually comes off. <laughs> I just I was willing it into existence. But yeah, exactly. I'm, that's um, I, I'm um I I'm reticent to admit this at this early stage when Christ knows COVID could spoil everything. But I'm potentially on a family holiday starting SummerSlam weekend. SummerSlam's on Saturday. Um, and I'm going to miss the whole thing. I'll have to watch it in chunks. I'm not going to be able to do a podcast with you. All, like, also, I'm genuinely very sad about considering the scale of this show. And yet, I can imagine just like Saturday, early hours, I maybe snuck out for a run before the kids <laughs> wake up while we're on holiday. And I'm just walking and I like, you know, the wind carries sounds. Like birdsong from miles away can be heard in the still of the morning. And I'm just going to hear something resembling worldwide, worldwide. It's the call of the Wilborn. Adele, it's the call of the Wilborn. And I'm going to go back. Kids, kids, it's the call of the Wilborn. And we're all going to get on the internet. We're all going to sit together around a fire. And then we're going to watch it. Bang, bang, looping over and over again. And I thought I heard the call of the Wilborn. We're in mysterious split. Electric, electric chair, me. Yeah, yeah. Down the soft plate all week. Bang. Oh. Right, let's conclude with an apology. It needs to happen now. Takes a big man to admit he's wrong. And I will do that right now. Always want to admit my faults. Hands up, ladies and gentlemen. I was wrong about Sad Corbin. I took the piss. I said, what the bloody hell's this character? He just is sad, broke, and doesn't trim his hair anymore now and it was getting there over the last few weeks there was like wwe.com exclusives and then in the last what seven or so days 
there was the hey kayla clip from talking smack yeah. i just want to get this line because i wrote it down because i wanted to remember it seriously today is friday i woke up in cleveland and you go how much worse can it get fantastic genuinely a fan and then talks about you know can't afford eggs or whatever and smashing cans on the sidewalk so he can drink them or whatever and he's just this disheveled piece of crap but kevin owens who the other week was like you arsehole stunned him in the middle of the ring as he was begging for his corbin gofundme or whatever it was called even he went all right mate well he's i don't know he's 20 dollars and then he got hit in the groin. With- <laughs> <laughs> and I genuinely sat on my own, went, this is the best thing on SmackDown. <laughs> because credit where it's due, this is the best version of Baron Corbin I think I've ever seen. Like we really enjoyed King Corbin. Not the ki- no, we really enjoyed Baron Corbin in King of the Ring, particularly the you know, stuff he did with like Chad Gable. And there's been yeah. flashes and, you know, I didn't really see any of him on NXT, but they brought him up and they gave him the Andre the Giant and they even gave him money in the bank, although neither of those really amounted to anything, of course. And yet, from going, what the hell? What's this story about Happy Corbin? Now, after Reigns, Cena and Balor, no offence to Bianca Belair, but this is the, the next priority for me on tonight's show. How many roads can a fan walk down before you can call him a Baron Corbin fan? <laughs> Apparently about five years worth of really boring ones just to get to this incredible moment. Um, and you'd have to take a bus like Baron Corbin himself. <laughs> amazing. Really amazing. And what's so great about this um, re- legitimately impressive performance of a legitimately impressive and fleshed out idea is that, we said this before, but we don't get to say it enough when it comes to WWE. Good creative begats good creative um they put thought into this baron corbin character from about three weeks ago and they've been adding thought to it ever since what happens when that happens is that they don't just arrive at the building and be like what are we doing baron corbin oh, yeah, he's need to shave he's poor rick boogs calling the twat oh great all right no well on to the next thing you know like uh, what's shame man doing at next wrestlemania that's what we really need to spend the time on like it becomes this priority you know it becomes like a maybe an hour in the boardroom or whatever and so maybe not hours, he's only poor. Like, <laughs> respect people that much. Like, so I right, so they have this thing where Baron Corbin's gonna be like at rock bottom and Kevin Owens. Now he gets now his failings get to start interacting with the characters. And in, not in that way where Babyface is bullying him, in the way that Babyface, because he's a babyface, wants to do something good for him. Mm. And it's like twenty dollars promise me you're gonna be a bit of a nicer bloke long term. Brilliant detail, brilliant because. I will get on to what happened to that $20 and indeed Baron Corbin. <laughs> in, that, in that moment, Corbin's got a big like life choice to make, isn't he? Like if this $20 gets him off the bones of his ass, he's theoretically got to keep that promise to Kevin Owens. And then your wrestling fan brain goes, right, either like this actually does turn things around for Corbin and we get this happy Corbin that we're kind of waiting for and he becomes a baby face because that small gesture from Kevin Owens has taught him the error of all his ways. Or you get all of that and then he turns on Kevin Owens because he's still an arsehole and you get that match and like it's a pretty cool germ of an idea to build a match right makes you want to watch Owens be like I'm going to have to teach you a really hard lesson in the form of pop a power bomb on the ring apron because $20 didn't do it did it and like great really good like formative stuff for a storyline between those two 
But they've thought of that and then doubled down and thought, right, what if some heels nicked the $20? Like, <laughs> that's pretty funny. And it's consistent. with It's not what asking Rick Boogs to do it, thank God. Oh, my God. Baddies. Right. The goodies giving him some cash. The baddies have nicked it. Thank God the alignments are in place, right? It's not NXT. Like, they're... So, the dirty dogs come and mug him, right? So like, how? They, mug him. they just picked it up off of a man rolling around holding his crotch, but yeah. Now, yeah. See, I'm getting to that. So they have to arrive at, well, how could they mug him? Because they're not going to beat him up. Like the heels, they're like loser coward dweebs. How are they going to get the $20? Where maybe he needs to have been attacked. Yeah, but like, he's so pitiable. He's going to attack him. What if something happened to him? like a cannonball in the balls. And they're like, I love it, love it, love it, love it. They're throwing a ball around in the office at this point. Right, ideas, balls, go. What this means is they need to set up a segment where Shotzi and Knox are having tank trouble. And this is like, it sounds like I'm taking the piss and I'm not. All of this needs three separate ingredients to work. You were brought in, what's that? One, two, three, five characters that now have interior lives around sad Corbin because you actually care about Corbin. That's the upshot of this one character connecting is that five more have been brought into stuff and it's not just fluffy backstage nonsense. Everything served a purpose. Why are Knox and Shotty going around with a tank? Like, why aren't they trying to win the tag titles? Ah, it's because that tank is going to matter later on in the show. I'm going to make the most audacious sounding comparison, but... On a, in a very, 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 very reduced capacity, this is what Chris Kresge used to do on Raw every week in 2000. Yeah. Edge and Christian. Edge and Christian are trying to cheer up Kurt Angle, right? He's, I don't know, like he's lost a match or his gold medals have been scuffed or whatever. And they're like, we got it, Kurt. We know just what to do. And then they pull out a kazoo. It's like, why the Edge and Christian got kazoos? And then later on, it turns out it's Stephanie McMahon's birthday and she's poorly. And it's like, we've brought these with us. This will cheer you up. And Triple H is sitting on the game and I'm getting really annoyed by this. But Kurt Angle's cheered up. And because he's cheered up, he's like, Stephanie, come on. Like, let me, let's have a dance or let's play pass parcel or whatever. And then Triple H is looking at, is this guy trying to steal my watch? <laughs> and that all started, that all started with Edge and Christian, the dorks pulling kazoos out to cheer up Kurt Angle. And all of a sudden, it's like Triple H wants to beat up Edge and Christian. And how did we get there? Through all of this, you know? And like, again, very, very, remember all them berries, please. Very, very juicy version of that. But like, I was legitimately impressed with how all this played out. Yeah. You, this is like one of them tweets, isn't it? Like, you, well, it's just football in the groin from The Simpsons. Me, an intellectual, long-term storytelling. <laughs> the benefit of a good character. Loads of stuff, spider diagrams off it. That's all I'm saying. It's got. It's now gotten to the point where it isn't us sitting here going, oh, well, it's something to do this week. And he sold his gear and he has to dress like a no, legend. That's what you would ask you would go to, wouldn't you? What's the bit? Mm. It's not that now. It's escalated. I'm genuinely really excited. Yeah, Roman Reigns, travel chief. But what's going on with Sad Corbin? Like, and I've never felt like that ever. We haven't got a match announcement, so let's just pull something out of our asses. What about... If Kevin Owens is like, right, tonight, Dolph, I'm going to have your life over last week. So I thought that was pretty uncool. And then Bobby Roode is running interference the whole time. And Corbin just does him a solid and makes the influential interference. And Owens wins. And Corbin slinks off because he's still really sad and depressed and poor. But like Owens sort of leans over the ropes and is like, 
Cheers. You, you did listen. You can have my win bonus or whatever. Aye, like, aye, no bother. Off you go. Like, something, something has changed as a result of that. And the match has happened for a reason. And the heels have had their comeuppance. And the baby faces are maybe learning stuff about each other. They're the human beings will have won. <laughs> Imagine that. What a world we live in right now. But <laughs> it's for a show we've now announced at time of recording. There's a tiny bit of me that's like, do I stay up and watch SmackDown? Because I need to see what happens with Sad Corbin. He's got uh, passing out in front of Wheel of Fortune written all over it. This, isn't it, this show? Right, let us know your thoughts ahead of SmackDown this evening on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch that you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. And make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasting. including later on today, WrestleCulture with a hashtag bloody good quiz. But this has been the SmackDown preview. My thanks to Michael Hamflit. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.